So hey, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. This is Josh. I am so honored to be with you to share a little bit more about multifamily investing. In this podcast, I'm going to be interviewing a gentleman named Reed Goosens. Reed is actually an immigrant to the United States from Australia. Uh, actually immigrated to the United States, chasing his former girlfriend, now his wife, who he met in Spain on the beaches of Spain. Uh, came to the United States with uh, no extra cash, no experience with uh, real estate investing. Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad, got very interested in real estate, spent two and a half years on the sidelines, not doing deals, but reading, learning, analyzing deals, but never making an offer. And so in this podcast, you're going to see how Reed grew from no experience as an immigrant Australian into the United States to now having a portfolio of over 2,200 units of apartments. He's done 10 massive apartment deals and an over $250 million portfolio. You're also gonna hear Reed's six tips and six strategies for raising private capital for deals. Doesn't matter if you're funding a business, a single family deal, a multifamily deal, residential or commercial, you're gonna love these six tips from Reed, the tips that he's learned over the past eight years of buying, syndicating, and managing multifamily deals and large apartment buildings. So hope you love this interview for Accelerated Investor with Reed Goosens. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So Reed, I'm so excited to have you on Accelerated Investor. Thanks so much for carving out some time. Um, I've been looking forward to this podcast, this interview for a long time. So Reed, give us a little color about you, um, but kind of start with telling us a little bit more about something that you're working on right now today that you're most excited about. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, COVID, the election, there's a lot of people that have a very positive outlook in the economy. Some people have a very negative outlook. What I like to hear from entrepreneurs is people who are in the game, mixing it up, stirring the pot, and doing amazing positive things in the middle of all this chaos. So what are you working on right now that you're most excited about? Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me on the show, mate. Uh, really awesome to be here. Yeah, the, the, I guess there is a little bit of uncertainty in the market right now. COVID, election, fires, um, civil unrest, all the good stuff uh, <laughs> that we want uh, and a recession. So what else can you ask for? Um, but what I'm working on right now is we're still doing deals. We're still actively raising money on some deals in Austin, Texas. Uh, really excited about to be partnering with our first ever private equity firm, which is really a new step in, in a new direction for the type of 
of capital we're going out and chasing. Um, but, we've, but but then I can talk a little bit more about how we've got to that point. But that right now is what I'm working on. Uh, it's a deal we just uh, we actually we, we we were given an opportunity to to have a crack at this deal off market about two years ago. Um, I won't mention the name. Uh, two out of the three sellers didn't want to sell to us. Uh, to fast forward two years later, it's now gone full circle. It had over 45 offers on this deal. It's now we we bought it eight million dollars more than what we we had pinned it for two years ago. So uh, things wow. have changed, um, but we also have different equity source uh, today, which is also really, really exciting for that new relationship to blossom. Awesome. So tell me about that deal. Again, if you're working on the middle of it, you probably don't want to talk too much about it, but off market deal, everybody mm-hmm. now, of course, the stuff that's on the market, if it's commercial, it's probably been picked over. If it's on market and it's residential, people are making like multiple offers because supply is so low. So finding deals off market is hugely important. Doesn't matter if you're in residential or commercial, um, finding deals off market. So how did you find that deal off market? And what are some of your other strategies, ways you typically find deals off market in today's economy? Yeah. So remember, this was an off market deal two years ago. Um, the, 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 the brass tax of it is that brokers have the keys to the kingdom, right? This particular deal, they floated it to a cup to this brokerage firm that we had bought five deals from in the past. It was in Austin. They knew where we're active, we're active buyers in that particular market. And they came to us in one other group just to sort of get a bit of a sniff test. So, yeah. you know, it's not that we were out doing yellow letters or, you know, pamphlet drops. It was purely through having relationships with the right brokers in the market and hanging around the hoop. That's the most important part. You are, we're, we're proven performers. Uh, we hang around the hoop. We, we are constantly in contact with these brokers and they were the first ones to come out to us to say, hey, two years ago, that is, you know, have a, go, have a, sniff, of this t- have a sniff of this deal. Tell me what you think. And they knew that we would get back to them really quickly. And so they could right. get back to the seller really quickly on what, what they think they could potentially sell the deal for. And I will remind uh, the listeners that, Two out of the three sellers on this deal two years ago wanted to sell. There was one guy who held out. Um, unfortunately, this gentleman has passed away and that has then keyed uh, the actual sale today. Um, but that went to a full marketing cycle. That's when, as you, as I mentioned before, over 40, 40 different offers were on this deal. And this is you know, amidst COVID because it is a great part of Austin. Uh, we were still able to win it based on our relationships because we'd been involved from such an early uh, stage in the, in the process. That's fantastic. So... You mentioned you did five deals with this group. Talk to our audience and tell me a little bit more about kind of the first deal you did with the group because yep. the first five is what got you in the game on this one. And a lot of people could say, wow, Reed, you've done five other deals. So you already had the relationship, you know, good job. But, you know, with all due respect, like you already had an in. So mm-hmm. the question they're really asking the better question is, how did you build the relationship on the first deal when you didn't know that commercial group, didn't know that commercial realtor? How did you get your foot in the door on the first one? Yeah, that's and that's such a good question, right? Um, for, for me, I'm based here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, when we were first, when I was first looking at deals in San Antonio, Texas, uh, I was underwriting a ton of deals uh, and getting into best and final on some smaller stuff, you know, less than 50 units, but I wasn't getting that nod or the tip of the hat from the broker sort of having a little wick within the ear of the seller to say, hey, give Reed this shot. You know, who's this Australian guy talking on the phone on these best and finals, you know, calls. And that's where I met my business partner, Andrew, who was a local guy to Austin, Texas, who had the boots on the ground, right? And we created a partnership 
and through that partnership, he was able to stoke the, the relationship fires, you know, being local. I was able to underwrite a ton of deals. And to get that first one under contract, we, they, had to bet, they had to take a bet on us, right? But we had been underwriting probably 60 or 70 deals in a couple of years leading up to that first deal in order to show the broker that we are worth our weight in gold um, and that we could be trusted and we could close because they're taking a risk on us to, to give us the, the you know, the, to sort of the leading horse and say to the seller, hey, give it, give the, um, assign it to these guys because they will be able to perform. Right. And so they're taking a massive risk. This particular brokerage firm had sold this deal. It's a 1980s deal. They'd sold it four times in the past. They'd sold it to this current seller that was, was selling it to us. So a lot of relationships goes into these things. And it's not just about us showing up and, and, and prove, trying to prove to the broker that we can do it. It's also about them taking a bet on us that they can keep those relationships with the, these existing sellers that they've forged over many, many years in this market. Um, and that's really, you also have to go in with your eyes wide open about that particular relationship because it's not just, hey, you know, give me deals and I'm going to perform. They, there's, there's two sides of the coin. There's also the buy side and there's also the sell side relationships. Right. Really important. Yeah, we, I work with a commercial agent here in town. He sold in, in Cleveland, he sold 40,000 units and he's in the Midwest and deals don't trade as often in the Midwest as they do out in the West Coast or in the Southeast or the Southwest. They just don't trade as often. So 40,000 units for him is a massive amount of deals in the short market. And he's told me how he sold the same building four and five times over the past 30 years because he's got relationships with one guy, works with a buyer who can close, that buyer trusts him, then he relists and sells it. Um, and, and conversely, to your point, we've got a deal right now that we're sniffing at, it's a 275 unit, and it's now fallen out of contract twice with two mm. his buyers. The first uh, buyer, when COVID hit, tried to retrade it. The second buyer was about a week away from closing and didn't have enough equity capital raised. Both times those buyers had pinged me, I decided to wait those deals out, kind of sit on the sidelines. Now the listing agent is kind of starting to realize, well, why is everybody keep pinging Josh Cantwell and his group uh, for capital? Because the word got around, right? So, and to your point, now that the seller is very upset with the listing commercial broker because they twice bought buyers who didn't close or couldn't close, and that relationship's starting to get a little sour. So I'm sort of sitting on the sidelines where you're kind of waiting to see if that deal swings back around. And, and hopefully we can jump into it. Now, awesome. Reed, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your strategy for, well, first of all, let's talk about your deal structure. You've got 2,200 units, you live in LA, you're investing in central Texas, uh, about a quarter billion dollar portfolio, $250 million. You also immigrated from Australia, so you're not from the US, you built this amazing business, uh, you know, without a lot of the I guess the background, the language, the connections that a lot of other people had. And so let's first talk about your deal structure because then I want to talk about raising money and your strategy for raising money, especially when you didn't grow up here in the US with lots of family and friends and things like that, that you could raise money from. So first, what's your favorite deal structure for your large you know, apartment deals? Yeah, so we do it on a uh, syndication basis. So for those folks who don't know what syndication is, it's really pooling investors' money together and we go out and buy larger assets. Uh, typically, we do uh, a 70-30 split. So 70% uh, goes to the LPs and we do a 30% to the GPs. So we're sitting in, uh, you're thinking about a capital stack, you know, got the debt sitting in first position and then we we carve up the equity piece, which is quote unquote second position into two different slices. Class A being uh, a 10% uh, paid present 
uh, preferred return, uh, and but they get pay, they get, don't get to participate in any of the upside once we sell the deal. And then we've got a class B that sits after them, and they get an accruing 7%, but they get 7% of the upside. And then we have the GP, uh, who is us, which we own 30% of the deal. So all through syndication, I might have confused a couple of your listeners just then, but it's really just around about uh, like a MES preferred return through our, our current uh, investors. And it allows them to choose whether they want to sit in the class A piece or they want to sit in class B piece or want to sit in both, um, or they want a bit of cash flow and also long-term appreciation. Um, so it really helps us uh, raise our capital quite effectively and quickly, uh, really when we go launching uh, a deal uh, you know, to our, to our investor database. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. So let's talk about how you built your investor database, right? Because so raising that 70 or raising pretty much all the capital through syndication, through limited partners allows you to deal deals with little or none of your own money. Your, your deals are really big, so you're typically getting non-recourse funding. Yep. Uh, looks like you're investing in Central Florida or Central Texas, where I would imagine that kind of Austin market and around there, you're buying deals in the path of progress because Correct. you're betting on that long-term growth in Central Texas, which you know I think everybody knows that that part of the country is growing like wildfire. Um, so you're, you're, you're buying deals for cash flow now and allowing that kind of path of progress to push the rents up, make sure your deals appreciate through increasing income. So we know that model and you have, you know, the, 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 uh, the numbers, the metrics, the analytics to support that. But now you've got to go find investors. You're not from this country. You probably never raised money. You got started with real estate after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, an amazing sort of immigrant story. But- not a lot of connections. So you've built this kind of six-step process over yep. the years, really over the last eight or nine years or so, with really nothing to start, nothing to leverage, nothing to begin with. Um, so how did you get your start raising money? And then let's talk about the six-step process. Sure. So the getting the start of raising money is, it's, it's, it was really talking, about creating a podcast. And that was, you know, more these six years ago now, 2014, um, I started the my podcast called Investing in the US. And really, it was just about my story because I had a pretty cool story that I moved halfway across the world to chase a girl and uh, I ended yeah. up falling in, falling in real estate. Um, Is it Spain you met your wife? Yeah, I've met it in the beaches of Spain. That's correct. Yes, uh, so that's a whole other story we can have over a beer if we ever get together. Um, but but the the you know the the, the impetus of that was I, I I wanted to share my story. I, I I was doing these small deals, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar deals in upstate New York when I was living in in New York City. And I thought to myself, wow, this is incredible cash flow. Uh, wh why aren't more people talking to the international folks about the benefits of investing here? And so I was like, well, I'm an international folk. I'm, I'm going through these 
rules and lessons. Like I didn't even know what a, what a credit score was. I didn't even know what an EIN number was or an LLC. And so I had to learn about all these things. And so I just started pressing record and started to interview some people that I was growing my network with. And remember, or if you don't know, I, my background's in structural engineering. I have a very black and white brain. Uh, I didn't have any creativity. So creating a podcast out of nothing was a really big step for me. Um, and, and, but, but what it, like sitting here today, you know, six years later, two, over 250 episodes, I've interviewed a lot of different people and through those interviews, I've seen different ways in which people um, create a brand and create, and this, the, the, and, and thus I've then created this sort of six steps, and I call it the six P rule um, to raising capital. And and it's really about raising capital for any deal, for any business. It doesn't necessarily need to be real estate, but obviously I'm very focused on real estate. And the six P's are as follows. If you want me to get into them. Um, uh, so the, the, and it's, again, it's all through observing these other entrepreneurs who've been successful at it, right? The first P is professionalism. And professionalism is always the, the hard one to, to give yourself permission that you have enough credibility to go out and start raising capital. And I think that's the most important thing, right? And, and no, no one's just born with 15 years or 20 years worth of real estate experience. They, they have to get started somewhere, right? But a lot of us have a journey up until that point where we get started, where you come through, uh, like myself, I came through an engineering background. So I had you know, different analytical skills. I was very good at holding rooms and having presentations and very technical. So I had that side of the business down pat. And so using those skill sets in order to say, okay, I am worth going out and asking people to invest in my deals and I can rely on these skill sets and they can show them that I'm professional in everything I do. So professionalism is the first one. The second one is pitch and how you pitch someone is really, really important. Um, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Dan Priestley who has a great uh, analogy around pitching um, and, and he uses the, the, the pitch about three different ways of pitching people. There's the social pitch, there's a scheduled pitch and then there's the sales pitch, right? And in the social pitch, you want to be pitching to people so they are, they're, they're intrigued about what you have to say. Remember, when you pitch someone, no one says, oh, that was a great pitch. They say that was a great conversation. And yeah. so think of like something like Martin Luther King, the I Have a Dream speech. He did not say that speech once. He said it thousands of times before he got on the Washington Monument. And that's the same way you have to pitch your business. You have to pitch it a thousand different times before you get people emotive enough to want to un understand what you want to do. So that's that's P, that, uh, P number two is pitch. P number three is practice. And that's where we start to get, take from a, a social setting into a scheduled setting. And that's where you might meet someone at a meetup event. You pitch them your, your idea. They say, hey, this is fantastic. I want you to you know, meet up for coffee. Uh, let's, let's get a scheduled pitch. And in that scheduled pitch, you can practice your pitch even further with your pitch deck, right? Which is a sort of more of a professional flyer that you can bring with them and show them the, you know, the A to Z of what you do. And that then leads to the next pitch, which is a platform, right? So you need a platform on which you need to go out and create and share your story and tell and educate others about what you do like a podcast. Uh, and different platforms can exist in different ways. There's newsletters, there's blogs, there's podcasting, there's videos. Uh, there's all these different social media um, platforms out there that you can leverage your message and through that you can attract an audience and a following that people love what you have to say and that, that they will be ultimately your investors in, in your deals. So we've got professionalism, pitch, practice. We've got platform. We also then we have profile. So profile is all about having an online presence, right? You know, if you want to start raising capital successfully, you will be Googled. So you need to be online. You need to have a really professional online brand. And that is understanding that you, people will only invest in your deals because 
first and foremost, they'll invest in you, right? They don't invest in the deal itself. That's sort of secondary. They actually invest in me, Reed Goosens, or you, Josh Cantwell, because they trust you, right? And through listening to your story, through understanding your pitch, through using a platform like podcasting or, or blogging, they've got to know you a bit better. And thus, they can then trust you because you are a brand and you have a fantastic profile. And then the last pitch, last P is practice, right? Practice, sorry, not practice, patience. I forgot my P's. Patience, 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 patience. It takes ages, a long time to build up a brand and build up a network of people who want to invest with you because it takes years to build up trust and transparency, but it can be a second that you can lose it uh, if you do something wrong. So really leading with a, a personal brand, uh, being vulnerable in your story and your approach so people can get to know you really quickly and then asking the question of, hey, I've got these uh, incredible investment opportunities. You've heard about it, me talking about it on my podcast or on my blog. I've educated you about it through the different platforms that I've used to, to get my message out there. Would you be interested in investing alongside of me? And those six Ps are the Ps that I've sort of pulled from different people that I've interviewed and cultivate them in one sort of formula. And, and again, you can apply that to any business. And, and what you're truly trying to do is be a key person of influence in your sphere so people can think of you as you're the real estate guy and I want to go invest with you when I have a bit of extra, excess cash uh, to, to go invest in real estate. So, so that's the six Ps in the formula that I've created uh, over the last little while through interviewing some incredible uh, minds in the entrepreneurial world. Nice. Great. Love it. Love it. Great stuff. Professionalism, pitch, practice, platform, profile, and patience. The six Ps. I love it. When uh, many people that raise capital are really using the 506C, the Jobs Act, they're using syndication and allowing, uh, whether it's YouTube or podcasting, to be their voice and ultimately uh, sending that traffic somewhere so people can kind of opt in to look at deal flow. Yep. So they're you know, going after accredited investors, using general solicitation. Um, are there any types of, what, what is your favorite platform for kind of uh, getting investors to kind of opt in, kind of nurturing them using once your with YouTube videos, podcasts kind of sinks in, people are like, yeah, I want to check out Reed's deals. Is there a platform that you use or one of your favorite ones to kind of nurture and manage your investors? Yeah, so we actually do all of it through five or six B, so existing relationships. So through uh -huh. the, the, the outward facing podcasts, the books, being interviewed on other people's shows, they, people get to see and understand who I am, right? They get to like me. And that's remember the most important thing about raising capital is that you are a brand. You are standing on a mountain of value and that value other people can look at and say, I want to be a part of that. And so once you have that relationship, people usually reach out through my personal website uh, or my business website at wildhorncap.com and they can, they can see the deals we have done. We don't really put up any, we don't solicit any sort of returns on those on, on the website, the publicly facing. We need to get to know people because this is a two-way street, remember? Uh, people invest in deals all the time, but not every single investor is suitable to our business, right? So um, we want to be working with the best investors possible who understand the business in the ins and outs, uh, understand the risk profile. And that is all about making sure you have the understanding on the front end, you have that relationship so 
you know what a person will and will not invest in before you approach them with that specific deal. So they might hear me on a podcast or see me read one of my books or listen to my own podcast. They might reach out to me. We'll have a phone call. We'll get on, they'll, they'll ask to get on the database and through that database, they will start to see as we have deals come up, they'll start to see the deals um, that we will push out to that database. And you only can get on that database by asking me to get on it. I don't just sort of, you know, suck you in through through buy, buying lists or anything like that. So we have to have that pre-existing relationship. And then through there, we make sure we still have different barriers to make sure that we're not just allowing anyone in through that database. We have having checks and balances in place that people have to go through uh, a form uh, a form to fill out to say, hey, why would this deal be intriguing to you? You know, you've clearly read the material. Um, we haven't given you any legal documents yet, but at least let's un- understand why you're in, uh, interested. And then from there, we can say, okay, we want to work with this person. We don't want to work with that person. And then we'll send them the legal documents on our online secure portal. And that is sort of, there's like five or six steps in there before someone has actually physically signed up for the deal and wired their money. So yeah. a lot of, a lot of things in there, but that is the process in order to keep compliant with the 506B. In my newest real estate investing book, The Flip System, you'll learn the proven secrets and strategies that I've used to be a successful real estate investor. You'll also hear the story of my journey from quitting my job to doing over 2,000 units of apartments. The Flip System is now available for a limited time, and you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. You'll learn the same proven principles and secrets and investing strategies that I used to quit my job and pursue a life of financial freedom. In this book, I'm sharing exactly how I was able to personally close over 750 profitable real estate deals, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million, and acquire over 2,000 units of cash-flowing apartments. Get my newest book now for free at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that you're starting with past deals. I remember when I first got started raising capital, I started thinking like, well, what can I show people that gives me the professionalism, your first P, uh, without making an offer, without talking about how right. much money you need to raise or how much money they can invest or their uh, rate of return. And my securities attorney says, well, you know, tell me about your past deals. What past deals have you done? I said, well, I got all these other past deals. I said, use those because that's the professionalism that you talked about without actually making them a, an offer on a future deal. They can get to know you, get them on a Zoom call, get them face-to-face, learn a little bit more about them, ask them the questions, create the relationship. You've done that. Um, and you know, we're, we're following the rules, which is exactly what we need to do. Now, Reed, you, you, you've been so successful at raising money, 2,200 units, $250 million portfolio, investing also virtually, because you're, you know, which is great about large commercial. You can invest in Central Texas when you live in LA. But all this starts without any knowledge about real estate, with no, you're a structural engineer by trade. You come to this country by way of Australia and doing some things in the UK and then coming to the United States, meet your wife, you land in, in, in LA and you know, not a whole lot of experience with, with, with real estate to start out with. Everybody starts with zero. So help me understand like, what was your attraction to real estate? What was your start like? What did you do when you first got going? 
because people people could look at twenty two hundred units. It's like, well, I just want my first ten, or I want <laughs> my first fifty unit, or I want, you know, I'm looking at my first two hundred unit, right? It's amazing how fast things can grow, and you forget about well, when I got started, I knew nothing, I knew no one, I had yep. no money. Yep. A lot of people that listen to you and I that are in that kind of boat. Tell us about your start. So the start really just came with uh, a, a wanting to be more and do more, right? I, I returned from a period of time overseas in, at the end of 2009. I was back in Australia in 2010 and I felt like a star athlete sitting on the sidelines looking at my life go by, which was the game being played in front of me. And I really, I enjoyed studying engineering, but I knew that I had more to give. I wanted to be my own boss. And that's where the Rich Dad Poor Dad book came. I stumbled across that. Through that, I started to self-educate about um, real estate because that was the sort of, I could have got, could have started investing in stocks and bonds or businesses, but I chose real estate because I had that structural engineering background and I was working as a structural engineer. So that was the start of it. And then I actually didn't buy my first deal until I moved to, made the move to the United States in early 2012. So I was sort of self-educating for about two and a half years prior to buying my first deal. And that first deal was $38,000 in upstate New York in Syracuse. Um, I was living in New York City at the time. And that was because that's all I could afford. I, I, didn't, have, I didn't have credit score. I had to, I had to, the cash I did save was my own cash from working as a professional. And so I bought it all cash. Uh, and for me, that was, you know, my whole thing in life is, is the fear of regret, right? Like the moving to the United States was, I just wanted to move here to give it a go, to, to be an expat and live in New York City and chase a girl. If it didn't work out, I'd move back to Australia and get another engineering job. That's the worst case scenario for me. So I got really used to pushing my boundaries and not wanting to wake up when I'm 70 years of age and going, geez, I wish I'd given that a crack when I was younger. And so when you live, when you try to live a life like that, it, it, it's easier said than done. It's about consistently pushing those boundaries. So that first deal, I was like, well, I, I don't have a car. I'm going to get on a Greyhound bus. I'm going to get up to Syracuse, uh, check out some deals because they're really, really cheap compared to where I come from in Australia. And on paper, they look great. And, I, and instead of you know, spending money on a mentor or you know, more courses, I, I sort of had been self-educating for two and a half years at that point. I was like, I need to get going in the deep end. I can't get to deal number 10 without doing deal number one. And so that was the first deal. And so you mentioned before about you know, this, these accolades and whatever that, whatever success looks like and 200, 2,200 units and blah, 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 they're all numbers, but it starts with that first deal. And so I encourage people who are listening to this show is just get started in that first deal. And it can be anything. It was a $38,000 triplex for me that ended up having a drive-by shooting and section eight tenants that I learned a lot on really, really quickly, but it got, it got me going, right? It wasn't, it doesn't, it's not about smacking it out of the park on that first deal. It's about getting off the home plate and getting to first base. And that's all you have to focus on. And once you start focusing on those little incremental steps, you'll then be able to look up after a couple of years of doing it and go, wow, I've come a long way. And so the biggest piece of advice I can say to people to, to sort of wrap this up is like, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, you can overestimate what you can achieve in a year, but you can underestimate what you can achieve in a decade. So know that this will take some time, but learn to push your boundaries and go out and challenge yourself each and every day. And remember that the best deal to get done is the first one because it'll get you off to the races and it will allow you to give yourself permission to say, hey, I can do this. That's yeah. the most important thing. Reed, now you might, you might have already answered this, but as a good structural engineer would do, <laughs> you took your time, you did a lot of analysis, two and a half years. Some people never make the first step. You know, I have, I, we have thousands of students. We've been training and educating for over 15 years. But many people that come through our websites and through our 
our, our webinars and our programs and our podcasts that are like, I'm going to do it, and they never do. You took your time, and as a good engineer, I would expect that to take some time. I've worked with engineers many times, <laughs> very analytical, but you eventually did that first deal. You came into the United States, you did it. Specific advice on that first deal, like what was it that finally pushed you over the edge and said, I'm going to buy this one? Then you wrote the contract and you're like, holy crap, they accepted it. <laughs> and now I got to close and holy cow, I'm signing the closing documents. Like those are all milestones mm-hmm. for new investors. So tell me about that. Then I'm going to ask you one final question about your, one of your really big deals about signing on the dotted line for your first big deal. But yeah. tell us about that, that. How did you get over that two and a half years to finally knocking out that first one? I still remember being on the subway train to work, no stuck in a book about, you know, I think cash flowing and it's some, it's a really good book by, I can't remember the exact name, but it's a really good book, like cash flowing in duplexes, triplexes and quads. And it's a great little analytical book that I loved. I ate that up because it was very numbers orientated. And for me, again, it was just the realization that that self-awareness to be like, huh, I'm never actually going to get to the to deal number one, if I don't actually go and do it, it's kind of like reading a book about losing weight, right? You don't actually lose weight by reading a book. You got to open the freaking gym door and get on the treadmill, right? So it's the same idea there is that you've got to get on the treadmill. And for me, I knew that I'd come to a to a knowledge base that I was sound enough in my in my view of how to underwrite a deal that I could make an educated decision. And again, it was my own money. So I was willing to lose that and I'd rather, and again, I was never going to lose it, but I, and I didn't lose it, but I actually made money on it. But it was about saying all, all the risks. Okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? I lose all my money. Okay, it was not anyone else's money. It's my money and I'm willing to do that. And it'll be a great lesson to get going off to the, off to the races. And I need to get that first deal done because I just, I'm sick of having my nose stuck in a book. So again, assessing all the worst case scenarios. And remember, me moving to the, this country was, just giving it a crack. You know, like the worst case scenario is I don't get a job and I move back to Australia. And when you get comfortable with the worst case scenarios and you sit with them for a little bit of time, you then to start to realize, okay, I can do this. It's not as big and scary as I think it is. And yes, there was some butterflies in my stomach, but sometimes you, you get to a point where you know you need to make that leap of faith. And you've yep. done everything you can. You've done all the due diligence. You've done all the reading. You've done all the practice examples. But then it comes a point where you need to say, I need to bet on someone. And the best person to bet on is myself because I've just gone and done all this, you know, self-education. And that's the launching pad you need to go off and do that first deal. So I hope that answers the question, but that's sort of, it's the betting on oneself when you, you, you know, when you come to that point in your life, you're like, okay, I need to take that next step. Yeah. I love the advice about like analyzing, getting comfortable with worst case scenario. And I think that can be great advice for almost anything we do in life, not just a real estate oh, deal. Yes, starting a business, but anything, okay, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, I'm cool with that. Like you said, I'll sit with that for a minute, you're comfortable with it, and then take action on it. Reed, final question. Tell us about your first big apartment deal where you had that same maybe nervousness, that same, oh man, like almost like, you know, that was that first deal that you did, the little $38,000 deal, but now it was the first big one, maybe a hundred unit, maybe a 300 unit or whatever, where you thought, holy smokes, our offer just got accepted. We're now buying this big ass deal. I've got to syndicate it. I got to raise a bunch of capital. And you started going with that larger deal because a lot of our subscribers are there. They might own a five unit. They might own a 10 unit, they might own a 25 unit, 50 unit. 
And now they're moving into buying their first 150, 200, 400 unit deal. And it's like scary, exciting, mm-hmm. can't sleep. All of those emotions are going through. So tell us about yours. So, so the, the transition out of the single families, uh, I got a mentor and uh, through that mentor, I was able to co-syndicate on a couple of deals and, and, and co-syndication is good. Uh, it, you don't have to focus on finding the deals, but once I broke out of that mentor and started doing my own, I had a bit of track record doing some syndication deals, co-syndicating, raising a little bit of money. That first deal of back to where I met Andrew, my business partner in San Antonio, we were underwriting 60 or 70 deals. Excuse me, I was getting very close uh, on best and final call. So I was doing all the steps, you know, where prior to being, you know, in co-syndicating, you'd had some other team members doing, you know, leading the ship. I was now the captain and co-pilot of my, my aircraft and yeah. it was all, all up to me, right? So, uh, and my business partner. So, yeah, it was scary. There's some sleepless nights. I've got a gray spot in the back of my head of, uh, where my wife calls it the wild horn patch uh, of, <laughs> of, of, of stress. Um, I still remember to this day, we, we tried to sign up with a, um, a crowdfunding website. It was, a, it was a 192 unit deal and, and the crowdfunding website was going to bring, I think, 1.5 million and we needed to raise 6 million and uh, they didn't raise a dime, right? And we were already been actively raising. We were, were really close to the finish line. We we're a couple of weeks out from closing and they drop. And, and I remember going, oh, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, uh, but O-S-H-I-T, um, we are up the creek and we are back calculating to determine, okay, how much do we need just to close? And do we even have that, Right. I get this one phone call and I don't know, I'm not hugely religious, uh, you know, someone's looking above or from below, wherever you want to think of, I get this phone call and this guy had accidentally sent out our, our deck to a bunch of investors, uh, credited investors uh, at a bank and this guy calls me up and says, hey, Reid, I've read your deck, I've listened to your webinar, I really like it, um, can I ask you a few questions, get to know you a little bit and I need to invest $1.5 million and I said, you do? And he said, yep. And after a 20 minute conversation, he was pretty much over the line and that filled the void. And it was just like this, I was like, uh, what just happened? <laughs> you know, what just happened? I don't, I couldn't predict it. I couldn't, you know, we'd already raised the majority of the, of the 6 million, but it was that last little piece. And again, it was the most stressful piece because we thought someone else had the ball and they didn't. And then it was back to us and we're like, oh crap, we need to, again, back to proving to the broker, proving to the seller. All those things are racing through my mind, proving to the bank guys that we can close on this deal. And this guy calls me out of nowhere and I, you know, thank the universe or whatever that might, whatever you believe in, he, he filled the void. And it was just, it was to this day, I, I'm gobsmacked at how we got that one over the line. And, but we did. And it was the one that I was a, as a, the captain and co-pilot in and we were driving the ship and it was, uh, it was pretty scary and, and kept me up many, many nights. And, but now we've gone on to do 10 more deals and, um, uh, it's, uh, it's been an incredible journey. That is great stuff. We listen, appreciate all the stories, hearing about your deals, the way you raise money, the six Ps. Um, if our audience would love to reach out to you, connect with you, sure. your books, follow your podcast, where can they get more information? Yeah, look, the easiest way to go to is reedgoosens.com. Uh, the podcast is there. Uh, the Reed Goosens is spelled R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S.com. The books are there. The podcast is there. The audio books are there. The blogs are there. You can reach out to me. If you're ever coming through LA and you want to grab a beer or coffee or lunch, just hit me up at, at info at, at reedgoosens.com. And um, yeah, we'll get to know one another and you know, check out some of my stuff that I put out there in, in the universe. And yeah, I hope, hope you get something out of this, uh, this podcast today. Thanks a lot, Reed. Listen, thanks so much for joining us today on Accelerated Investor. Thanks, mate. So, hey, guys, I hope you love that interview with me and Reed. I had a blast. 
interviewing him, learning more about his investment strategy, how he syndicates these large apartment deals, the six P's of investing, six P's of recruiting private capital. Also love his stories about you know, being on the subway and realizing that he was like an all-star and not participating in his own game of life because he was sitting on the sidelines, afraid to do deals, finally jumped in. And so for those of you that are on the sidelines, jump in, get a mentor, check out joshcantwellcoaching.com. Um, you can also download our books at getflipsystem.com. Check out the Accelerated Investor Podcast, follow that, get all that information, but eventually you've got to jump in and do your very first deal. You've got to get off the sidelines, get going just like Reed did. So thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this interview with Reed, go right now to wherever you're finding your podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a review, send us a screenshot, and we'll send you a free Accelerated Investor t-shirt. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you next time on Accelerated Investor. Hey, Josh here, and do you want to win a free Accelerated Investor t-shirt? All you have to do is give Accelerated Investor, our podcast, Accelerated Investor, a rating and a review on iTunes, okay? Do that now. Then send us a screenshot on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. What we're gonna do then is every week we're gonna pick our favorite rating and review and we're gonna send that person a free t-shirt and maybe again, some other cool fun stuff as well from Accelerated Investors. So again, don't forget to take a screenshot, leave a rating, review, take a screenshot, send it to us so we know exactly who you are and then once a week, every week on the podcast, we will announce a new winner. Don't forget to take a screenshot and send it to us so we know exactly who you are. We'll announce a new winner every week. You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities to start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com.